Today's scripture reading is going to be found in uh, Luke 24, 1 through 12. And if you uh, are using your own Bible, you can use it on your phone, or if you brought your own, you know where to find it. But if you're going to use the Pew Bible, it's on page uh, 1106. And it records, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they, re- when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in the clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with her faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they had told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is God's word. That's video from the tomb there outside Jerusalem where they believe may have been Jesus' tomb. Uh, Pretty neat. This week uh, I was excited to share this sermon among the dead. I was looking for, you know, a graphic to go with it, a picture to go with it, and kind of a background for my slides and that kind of thing. I enjoy doing that. And I found this awesome picture of a skull. And I thought I could put among the dead with the skull. And I was telling my uh, pastor friends about this, and we decided that maybe it wasn't the best Easter feeling, you know. Uh, Although one of them did send me a picture of some dying Easter lilies, and they said maybe you could put this on there with the skull. Uh, And this morning he sent me a a message of this. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) Just a decoration idea for us, but we didn't get it done. Among the Dead is a little bit of an odd title, perhaps for an Easter morning message, which is about life and resurrection. I want to ask you a few questions. I'm going to start easy for you, and we'll work up from there. So, where would you look if you wanted to find a fruit or vegetable? Go ahead and give me an answer. Where would you look? All right. Some of you said farmer's market, wise choice. Uh, Hopefully you didn't say Walmart, not a wise choice. Uh, How about this one, Uh, ladies especially, where would you look for the latest trends in style and fashion? I heard Pinterest, anyone say Instagram? (laughs) Used to it was a catalog, right? Some of you still use a catalog. That's okay. It's all right. 
Uh, how about this one? Guys, where would you look if you wanted to find a Ford? You know, like a Ford truck. The junkyard. I knew I'd get something. Side of the road. <laughs> or a dealership, all right. <laughs> where would you look if you wanted to find religion? Church, Bible. Where would you look if you wanted to find death? Maybe a graveyard, maybe a cemetery, maybe a, a funeral home, obituaries. Today we're going to address the question of where would you look if you wanted to find life? And life is a little trickier. Of course, we know that there's one sense in which you're alive. I mean, you know, you're here with us. And your heart's beating and your air, your lungs are filling with air. You're alive, you know. Your brain's still ticking. Uh, so that's good. You're alive. But we also know that that's not exactly having a life. That there's more to life than just living and breathing. That, that there's a sense of purpose and meaning that people need in their life. There's a sense of, you know, my life matters. Uh, I remember when I was in... Uh, you know, a younger adult, a, sing, a single man, a bachelor, that every weekend when I was single and alone in my room watching TV or something, I thought, I need to get a life, you know. So we, we know that there's other senses of having a life. And, and a lot of times, I think it's, well, I think it's increasingly evident in our culture that there's a lot of people missing that kind of life. Oh, they may have places to go on the weekend, but it isn't giving them a sense of meaning and purpose, of fulfillment in their life. Uh, you don't need to look at the statistics to know that depression and suicide is on the upswing in our society and in our culture. We're more affluent than we've ever been. We have more to do than we've ever had to do. And yet, somehow or another, um, we, again, we don't even need statistics because it encounters our very lives and our friends' lives. Where do you look if you want to find life? And this is the story of someone who was looking for the right person in the wrong place. We read that on the very first day of the week, very early in the morning, some women took spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. It was the tomb where they had seen Jesus laid on Friday. On Saturday, they couldn't do anything. That was the Jewish Sabbath, and it was a day of rest. And on this particular Sabbath day, it was a special one, because it was the Passover Sabbath, and that was a special celebration. Uh, lots of rules that they had to abide by. You certainly couldn't go walking to a tomb. They counted their steps. You certainly couldn't be preparing a body embalming a body, that would make you unclean on the Sabbath day. I mean, it's just too many no's. Too many don'ts. And so, they had to wait. You can tell they had prepared, though. They had their spices ready. And undoubtedly, at first light, they set out. These 
women to the tomb. There's a lot of people these days who uh, like to cast stones at Christianity and, and they oftentimes one of the accusations is that Christianity is repressive or oppressive or conservative and uh, overly conservative in a way that you know, hinders people like women, keeps them down, right? And it's kind of hilarious to me because if you study history, uh, you'd find that, in fact, Christianity probably had more of a liberating force than any other movement in the history of the planet, including for women. And one of the examples is the gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection. It's the central event of Christian faith. If, if the resurrection didn't happen, then there is no reason for us to be here. There is no reason for us to even talk about Jesus. He just died on a cross like a lot of other people did in that day and time. But if he resurrected, then it validates what he said. I mean, if you can predict your own death and resurrection and then pull it off, that's saying something. And to, uh, for them to cast in the gospel accounts women as the primary witnesses in a culture where women weren't even allowed to testify in court, that their witness was considered questionable at best, not admissible. Uh, to cast them as the primary witnesses of the resurrection it's one of the reasons that many historians, even skeptical historians, believe that this account has validity. Because who would make that up? In that culture, you just wouldn't. In fact, it seems like, possibly, uh, some of the later accounts of the gospel, some of the times when the apostles would share the gospel with uh, Gentile, Gentiles or even Jews that, that weren't familiar with the story, uh, you know, if they were given a synopsis of the, of the resurrection story, they might even leave this part out. But the, the primary gospels, the gospel accounts that give us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in completion, they always include it. That's pretty miraculous. Pretty impressive that they would choose to feature in that culture women. And of course, through Christian history, women were always elevated and allowed to serve in leadership roles and, and said that they were one in Christ, just like men, that there were, you know, anyway, we could go on and on about that. On the first day, some women headed to the tomb. It says that when they came back from the tomb, I'm skipping ahead, they told all these things to the eleven and the others and were given their names, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Okay? These were not written down just so that they would be remembered 2,000 years later. Their names were written down at a time when they were still alive so that you could go check in with them. They recorded names through this whole resurrection account is piece of information after piece of information that are intended to be evidence of what people witnessed. And they include names so that you can check with them. Of course, we can't check with them. That was 2,000 years ago. But at the time these were written, it was written so you could go check with them. Now this cracked me up 
they did not believe the women. Did I mention that women's testimony was not considered valid? God considered it valid enough to send them to see the empty tomb first. Um, but the other disciples were like, yeah. So, so Peter goes and checks it out. And he sees for himself the strips of linen lying there. And, and then he walks away wondering what happened. And that cracks me up. It's like, maybe the women were right. Maybe not. <laughs> he walks away wondering what was happening. You know, 50-50 chance they were right. Or it could be something else. I don't know. One wonder what happened. Well, let's think about it from the women's perspective for a moment. They woke up early that morning. Perhaps it was a beautiful morning like this. I don't know. Perhaps there was a little bit of a chill in the air when they stepped out at first light and began to make their way back to the place where they had seen Jesus' body laid. And as they walked, they started thinking about a logistical problem that they had. They had also seen a huge stone rolled in front of the tomb to keep people from bothering the body. And eventually that stone would also keep the smell from coming out. And even with their combined strength, they must have known that they couldn't remove that stone, move it out of the way. So they were trying to think of who they'd get to help them move the stone out of the way so that they could anoint Jesus' body for proper burial. But when they came around the corner and there lay the tomb in front of them, they saw that the tomb was already rolled away. I wonder what went through their mind. Maybe at first it was relief, like, hey, we won't have to find somebody to roll the tomb away. But then maybe curiosity, like, why would the stone be rolled away? I wonder if they felt anxious as they looked in and what they felt when they saw an empty tomb with just some grave clothes laying there where the body should have been. We're told that angels appeared to them. It says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then the scripture tells us that then they remembered. And we, living 2,000 years later, are like, really? Now you remember? Like, Jesus has been giving you the play-by-play -play all along. And then you're caught off guard by what happened when it happens exactly like he told you it was going to happen? But perhaps we can cut them a little slack. I mean, we all know how the hindsight is twenty twenty thing works. And also, uh, we find through history that they had no concept for what Jesus told them was going to happen to him. They had no concept of, of someone resurrecting from the dead, even the Messiah resurrecting from the dead in some kind of solo act. Um, if you, perhaps you're familiar with the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And when he comes, before he raises Lazarus from the dead, Martha comes to him and is distraught, Lazarus' sister, and says, Lord, if you'd have been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, well, don't you believe in the resurrection? And she says, yes, I believe in the resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. And that's what the Jews believed in. A resurrection at the end of the age. And that resurrection was a time when, you know, God's Messiah would come and there would be a resurrection of everyone that was righteous to live in the kingdom of God. But they had no concept of a prelude to that. And so when Jesus said to them in the past, you know, I'm going to have to die and then I'm going to raise to life again, this did not fit in any of their brain boxes. Any of their concepts of how the world would work or of how their faith worked, or it just didn't add up for them. And so, no doubt, just like we do, when we try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense and doesn't fit into one of our brain boxes, we try to make it fit in there, right? And assume that we're just misunderstood some way, or they must have meant this. But in this moment, with an empty tomb and a reminder of what Jesus had said, the light bulb comes on for these ladies. And they're excited. They had to be reminded because there was no concept of this kind of resurrection. And that, again, is one of the major evidences for the resurrection. Again, if you were going to make up a story to try to win some people over to your side, you wouldn't pick something that no one was expecting to happen, that no one would believe would happen. You wouldn't pick something that, like, oh, the Messiah is risen, when no one was expecting the Messiah to rise. None of them had a concept for this. The fact that it happened and that they had such a hard time wrapping their minds around and that they still struggled with doubt as they were looking at the risen Jesus is further evidence of its authenticity. The resurrection is not just a religious event. It's not just a myth or a legend. It has relevance to our lives today. It validates what Jesus claimed, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. I mean, you can say that, and you'd be crazy. But if you say that, and then you die and raise from the dead, then we listen. Jesus came to offer Life. He said he is the life. Because of his death, we can find forgiveness. Because of his resurrection, we can find life. Come back to what they said. What those, those men in the tomb, shining with some sort of radiance, said, Why? do you look for the living among the dead? And my question for you today is why do you look for life amongst the dead? Why would we look 
for life amongst the dead. See, these ladies were looking for the right person in the wrong place. And many of us today still look for the right person, but in the wrong place. Many of us were still, I mean, we're here in this room likely because, at least to some degree, you're, you believe in Jesus or you um, think it's worthwhile to hear about Jesus or you're curious about Jesus. So you're looking for the right person, but maybe in the wrong place. And by that, I don't mean church. The women were looking for Jesus amongst the dead. Because everyone who dies stays dead. But Jesus was risen. We believe that that's evidence. It says something about who he is. That he's not just another person. That he's not just another one of us. That he's something more. Scripture, his apostles, Jesus himself said that he's a king. Not a king like the kings of this world. Not a king like a president. But a king of all kings. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Again, a pretty audacious and crazy claim if you hadn't just risen from the dead. You can't look for someone like that amongst the dead. The world is full of people who are broken and dying. It's full of a lot of ideas that are broken and dying. It's full of a lot of relationships that are broken and dying. And people look for life in those things all the time. And when we do look for Jesus, we too often look for Jesus among the dead. And what I mean by that is that we say, I need some Jesus in my life. You know, alongside the other things in my life. I could use some Jesus, that would help. You know, let's go to church this Easter and get our, you know, uh, our annual Jesus shot, you know. Um, let's, let's get that so that we're ready, because Jesus, he's good. You know, there's a lot of good things in life, and Jesus is one of them. And we look for Jesus amongst the dead, as if he's like any other person dead. Or dying. Any other great thinker that is now dead. And, but their ideas are so worthwhile to our life. And so we do the same thing that the women did. They were looking for the right person, but they were looking in the wrong place. And what I would encourage you to think about today is that if Jesus is resurrected, you can't find him among the dead. You can't find him on par with other things that you're using to look for life. If, if you want to find life, you'll find it in Jesus when you look for him in the right place, which is the king of kings, the ruler over everything, the one that trumps everything. 
that tops everything. The grid, the truth that through which everything else must be filtered. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let me run that by what Jesus teaches. He's that kind of person. He's not the kind of person that's like, oh, I've got this self-help book and I've got some, you know, Proverbs and Psalms over here. Uh, I'll read a little bit of what Jesus said and then I'm going to read a little bit of what, you know, Dave Ramsey says about my money and, you know, just kind of fit this in with my other self-help books. If you want to find life, you can't look amongst the dead. Another mistake that people make is they look for the right thing in the wrong people and places. They know, I think we all know, that our lives are not exactly as they should be. Uh, every funeral reminds us of this. Every broken marriage reminds us of this. Every hurting child reminds us of this. Our darkest moments when we're depressed remind us of this. We have frequent pain and suffering and anxiety that remind us that the world and our lives are not all that they could be, all that we wish they were. And we have this hunger and longing for life, for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment. And we continually fail to find it in the things where we look for it. And so we look in a new place, and in a new place. And we line up lots of opportunities. Lots of books, lots of helpers. We go to the doctor, we talk to the psychologist. We watch the YouTube videos. We follow people on Instagram. And then they, they don't work, so we find someone new to follow, somewhere new to look. We look forward in other people and in relationships, and, and when they don't continue to give us the satisfaction and fulfillment that we thought that they did, that they were giving before, then we look for it somewhere else and in someone else. And we continually are looking in the wrong places, we're looking amongst the dead. Every one of those people, they're just like you and me. Broken people, dying people. Why do we suspect that we'll find life there? You won't find life looking amongst the dead. You know, a lot of folks uh, look for a better life in, in some of the ways I was just talking about. A lot of us, we look for a better life with, through diet, right? Like, we feel miserable, need to change our diet. And so we try different diets, and we're looking for life in that, in a sense. At least a part of our life, we're, we think, well, if I could find the right diet and, you know, get in better shape, exercise a little bit, then, uh, you know, then life would be a lot better and so we try different things, we try fads, we try what our friends are trying, and we wonder why we can't ever stick with it. Diets, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. But if you want to be 
transformed, if you want to find life, if you want to figure out why those diets don't work for you, I suggest looking to Jesus. And in Jesus and in his teaching and in his spirit's power and in his way of life, you can learn to bring your stomach and your appetites into submission where they don't rule you anymore. That's the core issue. The core issue is that none of those diets work for you because your appetite rules you. What you want trumps what you think is right. Right? In that moment of weakness, you fail. And so what you need is not a new diet. What you need is someone to help you get your head screwed on straight. Right? It's the same thing with marriages. We wonder why they don't last anymore. There's less and less people even trying them. People think, well, maybe I'll just, you know, be with this person and not worry with the whole commitments and marriage thing. Or maybe, you know, I'll try something different than traditional marriage. And there's lots of varieties out there today to try, right? Every variety under the sun of romantic relationships that you can try. Other than just a marriage between one man and one woman for life. I was listening to some old country songs the other day and I was noticing that a lot of them talked about love that lasts. I don't hear many songs on the radio about love that lasts anymore. It's not popular anymore. There's very few people even trying it. And we wonder why we can't find fulfillment in other people. Why when we chase the way that we feel and our desires, why it doesn't end up working out to provide this lasting sense of life and purpose and meaning. But maybe again, the root is that we're being ruled by our feelings and desires. Jesus taught that we needed to die to a lot of those things. That we needed to not be ruled and be a slave to those things. That we instead needed to choose a better way of life. And he offers the way and the power to do it. If you look for him not amongst the dead, like he's just another thinker with some ideas, but actually believe that he's alive and able to empower you to be transformed, to live in a different way. People, we do it with money. We look for financial help. We think if we could just get our finances straight, then life would be a lot less stressful. And so we try to follow a budget. Man, I hate budgets. Does anyone else hate budgets? Whew. But maybe at our heart, we've got to just learn to let go. Stop trying to hoard it. Learn to be generous and open-handed. Learn what true wisdom is. Not have to spend and buy stuff. I mean, that's another thing, right? Is we're, minimalism is super popular right now. Just kind of hilarious in our culture. But there's, we've got so much stuff that we're like, we've got to do something. I'm going to have 50 things. That's it. <laughs> you know? Have you ever seen these videos? I mean, it's pretty incredible. You walk in their house, they have no pictures on the wall. And they have like three things in their closet. I wear the same clothes every day. You know? It's, for a lot of us, we try it. 
We try the latest decluttering thing. We try the, you know, how, does, how do I you know, get my house in order? How do I get my life in order in this world? And there's lots of great ideas out there. Just like there's lots of great financial advice out there. But until you get your heart right, you're going to have a problem following through on any of it. We fight depression at record rates. And we medicate it at record rates. And yet we still fight it at record rates. And we say, what's going on? And so we read books and we listen to people, positive thinkers, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil. They have lots of good advice, but they can't offer you meaning and purpose. They can't offer you an answer for why you're here, why you matter what to do with your life. And if we treat Jesus like he's on par with people like that who offer great advice, you know, a wise teacher, then we'll have the same results from his teachings that we have from theirs. Because we're still, we might be looking for the right person but in the wrong place. Does that make sense? We're looking for Jesus and his ideas, but we're looking for them among the dead. He's not among the dead. He's alive. And he's over everything. And if you want to find life, you will need to recognize him as over everything. As alive as having purpose, as being able to give purpose and meaning because he's alive. Because of who he is, the resurrected king. Do you want life? Do you want peace in your home? Do you want to find joy rather than depression? Do you want to find a sense of meaning and purpose in your life? How many of your pursuits and mine have to end in disaster before we finally give Jesus the place that he warrants, that he deserves, that he earned, that he has in reality. How many different ways of living must you try before turning to the way? How many different versions of the truth do you want to try out before you just accept the one who said he is the truth? And how many places must we look for life before we finally turn to the one that said he is the life? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus make available to you forever the kind of life that's worth living forever. I'll say that one more time. So I want to make sure that we all let that soak in. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus make available to you and to me forever 
the kind of life that's actually worth living forever. Today, if you would find him, don't look for him amongst the dead. He's alive. And his spirit is alive in us. If you believe, if you want to believe, and you want to know what next, as we shared on Good Friday, that's what people asked the first time they heard the gospel message. I said, what do I do with this? I believe it. What do I do with it? And the Apostle Peter, who shared that first gospel message with people after Jesus' resurrection, he said, first you repent. You leave your old way behind. You chase after Jesus' way. Again, that's about not looking for life amongst the dead, but amongst the living. He said, be baptized, which is a ritual that Jesus himself instituted where we act out the death and resurrection of Jesus. We act out a cleansing that happens in our life where we wash away, we die to, we're buried to all the old stuff, our old way of life, and we raise into new life, into his life. Repent and be baptized, and then he says you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you'll have the power to live a transformed life, to live as a new man, as a new woman. That doesn't mean that every day will be easy. It doesn't mean you won't still struggle sometimes. It means that you'll have power to face it. And so I invite you, I invite you to share in this life, to find this life, to choose Jesus. If you would, would you pray with me? And then we're going to sing. Father, we thank you for the incredible hope of Easter, the hope of life, the sacrifice of your son, his resurrection. God, we confess that we often look for him amongst the dead. And we confess that we are lost in our sin without him. Holy Spirit, teach us to walk in the Jesus way, a new way, and to see things from his perspective and to find him amongst the living. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.